don't tap out or clock out, guys, and those that are not moms, because this God's word, even when it's speaking directly to a person or a people, works for everybody. Amen. I've seen people. I'm preaching a message to moms, and I've seen guys come up and say, "Man, that God, God really spoke to me on that message." And I'm like, "Really? How?" But God does. Amen. So, First Samuel chapter one. When we do baby dedications, a lot of times you'll hear us read out of this, and we're going to look at it in just a second. Proverbs has, a, as you get to First Samuel, it's got an awesome last chapter about women and mothers and the virtuous wife. And it talks about a lot of characteristics there that God wants to be in a woman and that a woman would want to desire to have. And the last part of it says that her children rise up and call her blessed. Amen. That's, a, that's a, the thing that every mom should seek and look for, that her children would rise up and call her blessed. And then it says her husband also, and he praises her. So guys today and children, if your parents are alive, your moms are alive, make sure that you are clear and thankful and show praise and appreciation to these ladies. Amen. The best way that you can. I know that a lot of times as human beings, we can fall short sometimes in our, in our expressions, but do your best. Amen. To find a way to make sure that they're, they're, they're loved and appreciated and thanked. How many know if you can't sometimes express yourself with your words, you can use a card? Uh, if you can't express with a card, you can find a way to wash the dishes or do something in some way that shows appreciation to the mom to say, I appreciate you. And how many know that we all fall short on that? We don't do a good enough job for anybody, but I think that moms have a special, special place for that. Amen. And I, I thank God for the, all the moms in here. I thank God for my my, my wife, that's uh, the mother to our kids, I thank God for having my mother here and how she raised me. The part of the video there where, where the boy was, she was talking to the boy, I wouldn't say on the part where I would say I was stupid, but she was always encouraging me. She was always speaking. Uh, the biggest reason today that I serve in the ministry is because my mom always reminded me of my call. And I thank God for that. Even when I didn't want to hear it, even when I didn't want to answer it, my mom would always speak those words over me in times that I just wasn't trying to hear it. So she has a humongous part this morning of the fact that I'm in the ministry because she kept pushing me and encouraging me. She still to this day encourages me all the time. She'll call me up and she loves to call me pastor. She just gets excited when she can call me. She says, I love to call you my pastor. And she'll call me up and she'll tell me how good the message was, especially on those days when it felt like it wasn't a good day. And she's always an encouragement. And I appreciate you, mom, for for those words. Amen. She's the mom of the house. If you don't have a mom here, she'll be your mom. Amen. She's a wonderful, wonderful mom. I want to minister as I get into this, as I always do right before I read some verses. And we're going to read out of the Bible this morning. If you've got your Bible, please look at it. But I want to just quickly remind you that I'm always, always, and I don't want to sound like a resounding symbol or beat a dead horse, but I'm always sensitive to the, all the different situations that exist this morning on a Mother's Day. And I know that uh, there's, you know, we see a video like that, and that might seem kind of like the perfect family. Uh, I could have shown a lot of other videos that would show a little bit more reality and a little bit more uh, of, of the way some houses are, maybe the way you were raised. But I want to, you to know that I am understanding and sensitive that there's many, many different dynamics this morning. 
from people who want to be moms to people who uh, moms are no longer here, who have passed away, to moms that are not in a great relationship. There's all kinds of things that exist. And I understand that and the Holy Spirit understands that. You know, there's some, there might be a Mother's Day that it was a great Mother's Day and, and it was, there was a great conversation and there was, you were there. And there might be a day like today that maybe you haven't talked to your mom for a while. Maybe um, there's, there's distance there. Maybe there's frustration there. Everybody's in different places. Maybe your mom is far, far away like many here this morning I know are. Their moms are, are far away from here. They're not in this country. So there's many, many dynamics and I want to be sensitive to that to you mothers and I want you to know that as as I minister to this this morning but I think that this message will touch a lot of people and we want to talk about Hannah this morning in the Bible many times you'll see when we bring a baby forth I'll read these verses about Hannah and how we dedicate a baby to the Lord and a lot of times we we hear that story and it sounds great but we don't really know what happened and we see the finished product how many know who Samuel is how many know that word we're in the book of first Samuel Samuel was a mighty, mighty, mighty man of God. But how many know that a, man, a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God cannot become that if she doesn't have a mother that first brings her into the world or him into the world. And then there's much to be done afterwards. But I think there's a lot of sacrifice that happens. Last year I was noticing that I talked about Moses' mom. And I mentioned how she sacrificed her child for destiny. If you think about Moses and you see all the things that Moses did for the gospel, for God, for the kingdom, and you see the, 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 how he took the Israelites out of, of slavery and all that, never would have happened if that mom would have not have given up her son in a type of Christ as God gave his only son, as God gave Jesus to us. That mom gave her son in that river and placed him in that river so that he could go on to his destiny. And so there's a sacrifice that moms make. And I want to remind you moms especially, and of course dads and everybody else, but moms especially, that the sacrifices that you make may not be being seen right now. Maybe your kids are little and you don't have that satisfaction yet of your, parent, of your kids uh, telling you they love you or, or really appreciating you or, or seeing them get bigger like in the video going to college or whatever those things are. But know that the seeds that you're planting in your children, the time that you're spending with them is going to mean something. Amen? Let's look at verse 2 in uh, chapter 1. I'm not going to read a bunch of names there that are not really relevant to this. It says, uh, this is talking about... Um, Actually, I do have to talk about Elkanah, which is the father. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Before we read on, I want you to know that anything you're lacking this morning, God can give you double in another area. 
Okay, that's a word for somebody this morning. A lot of times we focus on the things we don't have and the things that we want. And we see right here the provision of God that we see that he was giving those provisions to his, his wife that had. Uh, and don't get, don't get stuck on the fact that he had two wives. Okay, I know that's weird, but it's Old Testament. But he uh, gave that portion to his wife. And then the one who could not bear children, he gave a double portion. So a lot of times we need to focus on the things God is giving us. And on the things God is providing for us. And not be so narrow-minded sometimes to only focus on the thing that we don't have. And believe by faith that God gives us what we need in a double portion in another area. How many would receive that this morning? And it says, And her rival also provoked her severely, the other wife, to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than these than sorry than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, and Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. You might be here this morning going through something. You might be struggling with a relationship. You might be struggling with with your walk with God. You might be struggling with something or some things this morning. You might be as Hannah was in anguish and in sorrow and in bitterness. And you might be struggling. You might be looking good on the outside but not have it together on the inside. And the the Bible says you're in good company this morning if you're struggling. Amen? There's people who have gone through what you're going through. And Hannah was bitter. But the thing that I see here in this story as we're going to continue to read on is that she was in the right place. Amen? She was there. She, she might not have felt like going to the tabernacle, going to the sanctuary, going to the synagogue, going to the house of God, but she was there. How many have noticed in your walk with God that even when you don't feel like coming, if you'll get here, God gives you something. Amen? He always answers your prayer when you get here. And so being in the right place, if you're taking notes, that's one thing to always remember. Being in the right place is important for a miracle. Being in the right place. You don't have to feel like being in that place, but you say, God, I, I'm, I understand your order. I understand the, the commitment, and I'm going to be there. She didn't feel good. She didn't feel like being there. She was in bitterness of soul. How I many know bitterness of soul is some deep stuff? There's some deep stuff there. And, and, and so she's praying, she's crying, and then she makes a vow. And I, know, I want you to know this morning as we go on to read this, you can make vows with God. You can say, God, I I need to talk to you. Amen. God is a good God this morning. He wants the best for us. Don't ever forget Jeremiah 29, 11. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Amen. So how many believe this morning by faith that God is a good God and that he wants good things for us this morning? Amen. He wants to answer our cry. And so she says in verse 11, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor 
shall come upon his head. Now I want you to stop reading for just a second because this is another very important thing that we must do. First we must be committed and we must be in the right place. But then we must be serious. We must be serious. How many know that when she makes a vow, she's saying, God, I'm serious about this. I really need an answer this morning. You might not be praying for a child. You might have children. Like I said, everybody, you might be a man here and you're not a a mom. But every person here is needing something this morning. And God knows what that is. And you can go to God and you can pray and you can be specific. I want you to notice that she was very specific. I'm going to be the first to admit that I lack in this area. I'm never specific enough with God. I've always realized that, and I I need to be better at that, that I don't pray specifically enough. How many have noticed in the Bible you see a lot of specific prayers? I mean specific. It's like the old joke and the old person that talks about wanting a car and says, God, give me a car, give me a car. And the guy gets a car. It's an old junker. It's it, it smokes coming out the back. The doors don't shut good. The windows don't roll up and down. There's no AC. It, it makes noise as it goes down the road. And the guy's got that car and he's rolling down the road. And all of a sudden he says, God, this is not, this is not the car that I wanted. He said, you didn't ask for anything specific. That's just an example. That doesn't mean you have to ask for a Rolls Royce or Mercedes Benz, but I believe you can be specific in your prayers because right here she says, Lord, I want to make a vow. Watch this in verse 11. And she says, I want to give your, I ask that you'd not forget me. I ask that you'd give me. I ask that you'd remember me. And I ask that you'd give me a male child. She didn't even just say, I want a child. She said, I want a male child. And we have to understand that in that time how important a male child was. Because it was your heritage. If you could not give your husband a male child, that meant that the name of your husband would die. Today, in our day, it doesn't make that big of a difference. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's not the same as the Hebrew culture. That was something so important that you could give your your husband a male child that would carry on his name. How many understand that? How serious and important that was? So she didn't just say, she could have just settled and said, God, just give me a child. I just want to be a mom. Okay? There was something even deeper than the fact that she wanted to be a mom. She wanted to be a mom, but she wanted to be a mom that would leave a heritage for her husband. Okay? How many know a lot of times we get to a place where we get kind of like, well, I'm just going to ask and then hope for the best. And we have that kind of attitude, especially if we've been waiting for a long time for something. And but instead of just saying, God, you know what? I just want a kid. She said, I want a male child. How many are seeing that this morning? The specificness of her prayers. Amen. I want you to write just a few things down before I continue so I don't forget them. And I want you to just write a few words down that, again, are so important for mothers this morning and our characteristics that I see in mothers and number one is a mother has a lot of perseverance a lot of perseverance guys and kids and young people and and ladies that are not uh, mothers how many know that that uh, how many can imagine I should say not know what it would be what it would it would be or is to have a child I wanted to check it out and I totally got too busy and forgot. I wanted to see how I could somehow explain how, the, how, how, how Google would tell me 
what it was like. I, I could have some women grab the mic and tell us what it could be compared to. But the pain and the anguish, not only of giving birth to the child at that moment, but carrying something in their stomachs for nine months. Okay, I know all the women have stories, and I, I wish I would have had a chance to, to get some kind of stats or some kind of comparison. Uh, I think there's even videos where there's ways that they try to compare, but then you think, how do they really compare? Like, how could a man really understand the pain? Probably is no way. Y'all following me? I just want us to try to think about how hard and amazing it is, because we just kind of see the kids there, and we're like, yeah, thank you, Lord. But man, there's something special that the woman has to carry that baby. Amen. I appreciate that and understand that. And as you know, for anybody that's visiting, I think the population would be 1 billion today if men had babies. Okay? Just for those that don't know, because men were sissies. And if you say, oh no, I'm not, try having a baby. I can imagine we would be called sissies. Okay? God knew there's, there's certain things we're not sissies in. But when it comes to that, I think we would be sissies. How many women can say amen? amen. Okay, I thought so. So I, I wanted to get that, but I didn't. But I, can you imagine the perseverance that it takes to have a baby? To deal with that for nine months and deal with you. Come on, it's Mother's Day. I got to pick on the guys a little bit, right? I got to give to the moms and pick on the guys. And put up with us. Amen. And all the stupid things we probably say while they're pregnant. And all the stupid things we do. Amen. And if you were lucky enough to be there at the pregnancy, you deserve all the squeezes. You deserve all the names. You deserve all the looks you got. Amen. I know I do. Thank God my wife had some quick pregnancies. They didn't last long. Another one is unselfishness. These are a few characteristics that I think moms have. Unselfishness. I know there's some moms that aren't. I know there's some. But you know what? Just alone having a baby. Even if you aren't, weren't a good mom or your mom wasn't a good mom or all that other stuff. Just having the baby is unselfish. I thank God for all the moms today that even though they made mistakes, did things wrong, are having babies instead of aborting them. Amen. Thank God for those that are adopting kids and giving kids away and, and doing it right after they've made the mistake and not killing that baby. Amen. There's an unselfishness. It would be a lot easier, I think, for, for a man to just say, eh, you know, I made a mistake. I think the abortion rate would be higher if men had babies. I do. There's an unselfishness in women that is amazing. Number three is there's a compassion in moms. That I think that guys don't have. Other people don't have. There is a compassion. I've done messages in the past. Talking about the mother of compassion. The compassion a mom had to have. To put that baby of Moses in the river. Can you imagine moms? You have carried that baby. You have persevered with that baby. And now the decree comes out. That every first male child is going to be killed. And now not that you have carried that baby. And given birth to that baby. You now have to place that baby in a basket. And put it in the river and say, here we go, God. And not even know for sure that baby's going to get to its destination. That's an unselfishness that is amazing. And then it leads into two other ones that I have that are number, number four is trust. A mom has a lot of trust. A lot of trust. 
And I use again the example, I'll read on some more with Hannah, but I use again the example of, of Moses, his mom, putting that baby in the water and trusting that God would guide that water to the right place. Amen? How many can just look back and see our lives today? We might not be a Moses or a Hannah, but we can say, God, I trust that you're, get, you're navigating the rivers of my life. Amen? <clears throat> he had to, she had to trust that, that that baby would get to where it went. And how many know it could have stopped in a lot of places? But there it stopped, right where it was supposed to stop. So it would go into Pharaoh's home. So all that stuff would happen. All those miracles would take place. And the last one ties them all together. Faith. A mom has to have a lot of faith. Amen? These are some real, real sacrificial things this morning. Before I read on a little more, I know that uh, there's definitely some things that my mom and moms have taught us. I, wanna, I've read, I might have read some of these before, but these are such good ones. I just want give, to give the moms a little credit this morning that uh, there's a mother's dictionary. How many have ever heard of the mother's dictionary? Anybody ever heard of that? All right, I want to give you some stuff out of the Mother's Dictionary. It says the word bottle feeding. And right where it says bottle feeding, it says an opportunity for dad to get up at 2 a.m. too. This is the Mother's Dictionary. Dumb waiter. This isn't the Mother's Dictionary. What's the definition of a dumb waiter? One who asks if the kids would like to order dessert. Y'all have been... You ask the kids. Feedback. The definition of mother's dictionary for feedback is the inevitable result when the baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. Full name. Okay, mother's dictionary. Full name. What you call your child when you're mad at them. Grandparents. The people who think your children are wonderful, even though they keep telling you you're not raising them right. (laughs) Hearsay. What toddlers do when anyone mutters a dirty word. Independent. How we want our children to be as long as they do everything we say. Remember, this is a mother's dictionary. Look out. What it's too late for your child to do by the time you scream it. Prenatal. Mother's Dictionary. When your life was still somewhat your own. (laughs) Storeroom. The distance required between the supermarket aisles so that children in shopping carts can't quite reach anything. Top bunk. Where you should never put a child wearing Superman jammies. (laughs) And the last one in the mother's dictionary, a puddle. A small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it. (laughs) Amen? How many mothers can say amen to those things? And I could probably again give the mic and there'd be some additions. Let's look at verse 12. As it happened... She had prayed for this male child. She continued praying before the Lord. And Eli watched her mouth. This is interesting. She's in the church. She's praying. The pastor, so to speak, is watching her pray. And it says, Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 13. 
So Eli says, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Elijah, sorry, Eli answered and said, watch this, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. Stop there for a second. We've seen some things happen in this prayer. She's specific. She's committed. And then we see a humongous time of prayer. And that's another question I ask, not only the mothers, but all of us. When we really want something, have we really travailed in prayer for it? Think about that. A lot of times we say, man, this, and, I, and I'm guilty of this myself. We, we, I'm, I, we're not, I'm not seeing what I want to see. I'm not seeing the miracle I'm believing for. That can be in your finances. That can be in your marriage. That can be in your kids. That can be in your church. That can be in your ministry. That can be in everything. But you say, I'm not seeing what I want to see. And I would ask you, have you really spent time on your face with God and got into a place where your so- soul was sorrowful? Think about it. We really, really got, biz- got down to business with God and said, God, almost the attitude of I'm not leaving your presence. I'm not getting up from this altar. I'm not going to stop praying until I know you have heard my prayers. I'm not going to stop praying until I know you have answered my prayers. Now, God used a man. He used this pastor to give a word. And I believe God can do that. But something has to happen when the word comes through the word, through a message, through a prayer that your spirit has to connect with God's spirit and faith has to enter into your spirit and something has to click and say it's done. A release of faith. There had to have been, it was not just that the, that the pastor, or the, in that time the priest or the rabbi said your petition is, is answered. Or he didn't even say it was answered. He said go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition. May, he was seeing a prayer in her and he was saying look the way you've prayed I believe by faith that your prayer is going to be answered. And then she said I, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And then the key to this whole thing is she went away and ate. And it says her face was no longer sad. Y'all see that? Her face was no longer sad. Meaning that she connected her face with her soul. She connected her faith with her soul. And she said, I now am going to go forward and I'm no longer going to have my head down and I'm no longer going to be discouraged and I'm no longer going to be depressed and I'm no longer going to listen to the word of the people. I'm no longer going to look at my circumstances, but I have found favor in the eyes of the Lord and I know I've spent time in his presence and I know now he's answered my prayer. And so I'm going to begin to act like I know that miracle is coming. 
I'm going to begin to put myself in position. I believe that, that we, we don't go on to see this, but I believe she could have walked out of there. She could have gone back home, and I'll put it in our terms today. She could have said to her husband, look, we better get ready for a baby. We better make a room, and we better start painting it blue because we're going to have a male child, and it's going to come soon, and you're going to hear the news soon that I'm pregnant because I believe that God has heard my prayer. Can you say amen? I mean, put some action to the faith. Not wait for it to happen, but say, God, I know you have heard my prayer and I know you're going to answer. So what happens? God hears her prayer. Let me get to the place where we begin to see what happens when we dedicate children. Look at verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli. So I'm I'm starting at 12, 19. "Then Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord what? What does it say? The Lord what? Remembered her. Go back to verse 12 or 13 again. Sorry, verse 11. I'm getting messed up my numbers. Go back to verse 11 again. Let's read that again. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. Listen, I'm teaching you in the word this morning how to get your miracle. This is what the Bible says. If it worked for Hannah, it'll work for you. He didn't just make this for Hannah. The Bible is our manual today. Male or female, young or old, doesn't matter what you're praying for. This worked for Hannah. It'll work for you. And I believe it. She made a vow. O Lord of hosts, verse 11, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant. Remember those words. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And then we see verse 19. What's the answer? The Lord remembered her. There's some stuff we can do right here. Takes action, takes faith, takes perseverance, takes a seriousness, takes a commitment, takes a prayer life. Have you noticed maybe that you, maybe you haven't gotten to a desperate enough? You might think, man, God, I can't handle much more. You maybe haven't got to a desperate enough place where God needs you to be to be able to see the answer. In your affliction sometimes, that's when the real answer comes. Let's go on. So it came to pass, verse 20, that in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a what? A son. And called his name Samuel. Watch this. Saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, watch this, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord. This is some crazy words right here. And remain there Forever. That's a mom. I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to give this baby back to the Lord. Do you realize, parents, that that's what we do when we dedicate a child? That's why we do what we do when we dedicate a child. Because it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible to take a baby and baptize them in water. That's not in the Bible. 
But the Bible says that when a baby is born, we take that baby and we give them back to the Lord. That's the, the example of Hannah. And we say, Lord, this is not my child. This is your child. I know you have lent this child to me, but I, this is now I'm giving him back to you. And how many know when you give him back to the Lord, they're no longer yours anymore. They're God's. And so that can go two ways. That can go one way, parents, where if your, parent, your child has been a troubled child and your child's giving you trouble, you can say, listen, I, ra- I did a Proverbs 22.6. I raised my child in the way they should go, that when they get old, they should not depart from it. If you still got older children today that are acting a fool, messing around, doing wrong things, but you raised them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to say, God, I've done my job. I gave them back to you and they're yours. And have some peace about it. And let, the, and let God do his work in them. Other way around. If you've raised a child in the way they should go. And that child someday comes. Like my wife and I have done to our parents. And said God has called us to go. To go do something for the Lord. To serve. And then you have to say I let them go. I let them go. You've got to let them go. So they can go do the ministry. Either way you have to understand. That those children are not yours they're God's. Amen. Amen. And so she says, I want to dedicate, uh, take, take him back to the Lord and give him to the Lord so he may remain there forever. Let's finish this up in verse 23. So Elkanah, her husband, said, do what seems best to you. Wait until you wean him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And the woman stayed and nursed her son till she had weaned him. And now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls. An F of flour, skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slaughtered a bull and brought a child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, I'm finishing up. As your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Watch this. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And they worshipped the Lord there. Then she goes on in the next chapter to do a prayer. And then we see on later, that later verse 11, the child ministers to the Lord with Eli, the priest. And he's now in the ministry. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know all the things after that that Samuel begins to do. He ends up being the one who anoints Saul as king. And we begin to see all these things that happen because of those things that I said to you. Commitment, sorry, perseverance, unselfishness, compassion, trust, and faith that we have to have. And I want you to just look at one more verse as, as I close this morning with these last few verses in chapter 2, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe. He had to be really small and young and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, she was seeing her child once a year as a young boy. Probably in his, probably most likely between five and ten. Young, serving the Lord. And she would go and see him once a year. And the verse, sorry, verse 21 says, so they would go home in verse 20, and 21 says, And the Lord visited Hannah, so that she conceived and bore three sons 
and two daughters. And meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. And one last verse, verse 26. The child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and men. I'm going to ask Kristen to come up and play something softly. Not all the musicians. Robert, if you could come too, it would be good. We could come. The rest can stay. I want, to, I want to pray this morning for the moms, especially. I want to pray for the ladies. But I want, I want you to, if you didn't get anything else out of this, and this isn't just the moms, it's the ladies especially, I want you to see this last little part here. She gave something that meant everything to her. Please watch this. She gave something that meant everything to her to God. To get from God the fullness of his plan, he's always going to ask for something from us. He's always going to ask for our greatest. How many, how many, how many can remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham finally has a son. And what does God ask him to do with him? Give him back. Sacrifice him. There's, we talked last week about finances, but it's the same principle. First fruits. First fruits. Are you giving the first of everything you have to God? There was a willingness in Hannah to say, God... I'm more concerned about, watch this, I'm more concerned about your will for my life than I am for what I need. If you look at her prayer, she wanted to be a mother, of course. But she then said, God, I don't just want to be a mother. I need to be a mother of a male child. If you look back at her heart, the whole time she was praying, she wasn't selfishly praying just for a child. She was praying for the destiny of God. Y'all following me? And as she prayed for the destiny of God, she said, God, in her heart, in her sorrow, see, a lot of times, and I've had this happen in my life, as you're praying for something that's bothering you or birthing something in your spirit or really, really travailing for something, in that time, what God is really doing is asking you for everything. A lot of people get up from the altar and won't give everything. They'll say, mm. and there's a travailing and they get up and they leave. And listen, you might be praying for something this morning that you haven't gotten because you haven't said yes to what God's asking you for. Y'all following me? But the trust and the faith comes when you see this end story and the end result. Something inside of her said, if I give this child to the Lord, if I pray for his will, and I say, Lord, give me a male child. I don't know if y'all noticed in the prayer, she was specific and prayed for a male child, but she also said in the prayer, if you'll give me this child, I will give him back to you. Did y'all notice that? She could have just said, I want a male child. But in that prayer time, I believe, in that time of being alone with the Lord, which is where a lot of us struggle, we don't get alone with the Lord enough. Can I just stay there for a second? 
We're too busy with our phones, with our lives, with our work, with our things, and we don't get alone with the Lord enough. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, can you not tarry with me for one hour? Remember his frustration? I don't say that to condemn us. I just say that to say if you really want the will of God, you really need to spend time with him. Because when you spend time with him, and you get serious about whatever it is that's bothering you or whatever it is you're going through or whatever it is that's hurting you, in that time, when, you, when you see, God sees a seriousness in you, that's when he'll say, okay, now I've got your attention. Now will you give me what I ask you for? And then when you say yes, there's always a promise behind the sacrifice. There's always a blessing behind what you give to God. But you have to be willing to give it first. Who are we today? We're the descendants, descendants of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham offered Isaac. He knew that, that was, his seed was going to come through Isaac. But the seed would not go through Isaac unless Abraham said, God, I'll sacrifice him to you. And we know the story. He got all the way up there and had the knife in his hand and was about to come down with it. When God provided the sacrifice in the, in the ram caught in the thistle and pulled him, the Lord will provide and he, he, he brought that blessing forth but there's something's got to die a sacrifice has to be made and Hannah sacrificed Samuel and because she sacrificed Samuel not only did God do amazing things through Samuel's life he, she got three, was it three girls and two boys back Five for the price of one. Five for the price of one. Not, not too many people would turn that down. And she might have, you might say, well, she lost Samuel. No, she didn't lose Samuel. She gained everything Samuel did for God. Credit to her because she brought him into the world. So I just want to challenge you and encourage you this morning. Are you willing to sacrifice this morning? To see God's destiny and God's will take place in your life. Are you willing to lay something down? I don't know what God's asking you for. God's always dealing with me on things. He's probably dealing with you on things. But you got to say, am I willing to say yes? If you're not willing to say yes, you're going to kind of go through life as a so-so believer. But if you want to be that overcomer that, that Robert was talking about in prayer, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to offer some things up to the Lord and be specific to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to give whatever you ask because we know that when God asks for something, what he gives back is always better. How many believe that this morning?